Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. As the year 2021 draws to its close, we will try to look back at it from our regional perspective in an effort to highlight its more salient and perhaps enduring features. This has, of course, been the second consecutive year impacted by COVID-19, but the pandemic did not freeze military and political developments in the Middle East and around it. So for our annual survey and discussion, with us in the studio are Ambassador Alon Pincas, Israel's former Consul General to New York City in the United States and Chief of Staff to four separate Israeli foreign ministers. Thank you for joining us, sir. My pleasure. Also with us in the studio is, of course, Colonel in Reserve Miri Eisen, who is a TV7 Powers in Play panelist, an Israeli public diplomacy, security and intelligence expert at ICT, Reichman University. Thank you for joining us as Thank well. And, of course, also Colonel in Reserve Ruven Ben Shalom, who is TV7 Powers in Play panelist. Uh, cross-cultural strategist and associate at ICT and Reichman University as well, and uh, our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk and Powers in Play, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, what would you define as the most significant moment that occurred during this past year? Well, it must be uh, January 20th, the uh, inauguration of President Biden, even though uh, only in retrospect um, can we know what was really the hidden moment because um, January 20th, 1961, 60 years earlier, was of course the inauguration of President Kennedy, but also the day that the pill, the contraceptive pill, came out on the market in Britain, which made the 60s what uh, they were to be. So not the, not the Peel Commission. Not the Peel Commission um, for Palestine. So, uh, yes, the Biden inauguration, because 2021 has been a year of transition, a transition from the Trump administration to the Biden one. In Israel, of course, from uh, the Netanyahu government to the current one, headed by Naftali Bennett and uh, Yair Lapid. And even though uh, some other rulers, such as uh, Vladimir Putin and uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, uh, were still in power, nevertheless, we have seen uh, Chancellor Merkel leave the scene after 16 years. So we don't know yet uh, how Germany uh, will unfold. And we have seen the Afghanistan pullout, which was perhaps uh, the major action, even though it only kept several years of uh, slow withdrawal. So all in all, again, a year of transition between the um, former, the earlier decade to the uh, 2020s. Indeed, not to forget, of course, the transitions that occurred in Lebanon, in Iran, and in other places around the region. But Colonel Ben Shalom, what do you uh, classify as the most significant moment that occurred this past year? Uh, so I should say that it's the inauguration of uh, President Biden, but in a way it's more the, less the inauguration, more the, the, the cessation of the erratic administration before that. So I think it's hard to tell what that did to us because uh, I think President Biden is still trying to find his way and uh, forge a new policy moving forward. 
Um, in general, the United States faces a weakening in the Middle East, or a perception of weakening in the Middle East, of pulling out, and what we may perceive as the Cold War with the other uh, powers now. And for me, 2021, besides the fact that we were just, you know, uh, uh, chugging along with the pandemic, uh, more like a transitional phase, it's, um, it's a period maybe of raising the masks, because I think things have become more clear for, for around the world and in the Middle East. Things that maybe for years we weren't sure, what are they trying to achieve? What is their policy? I think we, we, we start to figure out what China wants, what Russia wants, what the United States wants, even our rivals around us. And on a positive note, of course, for us, I think 2021, we saw pushing forward the Abraham Accords and understanding. It's more than, you know, the good guys here and the bad guys there and aligning, you know, this, this axis or that axis, but more a realization of who the real threats in the Middle East are, what, you know, what partners can get together and do. And I think we're doing that even as we speak. Ambassador Pincos, your take? <laughs> I, I, I concur with everything that's been said already, so I'll, I'll take it another step. Um, I think that there was a major shift in the U.S.-Chinese rivalry that will define the next at least decade. Um, obviously, election in the U.S., election in Israel, um, COVID, these, and, 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 and what the... Um, uh, Ruven said, Colonel Ben Shalom said, uh, but I, I think in, in general, the U.S. has shifted from defining China as a challenge into defining it as a rival and setting a, a um, in motion uh, several alliances that have not necessarily taken shape fully, uh, but they will in the next year or two. And I think that is commensurate with the U.S. disengagement from the Middle East, which is a decade-long process, gradual, slow, but none, nonetheless very steady. And if, if anyone needed proof that they're pulling out, you see the focus that they are attributing to China um, as as evidence, as clear evidence that, that priorities have changed dramatically. Colonel Eisen? I'm just going to add on in. These transitions also have to do very strongly with demographics and economics. And I'm looking at 2021, this year that we're ending right now, not as being just transitional. I actually think that the economics are getting worse and that the demographics with the economics, with the connection of China or Russia or the U.S. is actually not a good year. Meaning we looked at 2021 as if it's a transitional year because 2020 was worse. I'm not so sure. I think that this transitional year is taking us lower. I think that this transitional year has brought out, if you said it's more clear now, to me that also has to do both with demographics and with the economics, that Iran is actually more clear. That doesn't make me happy. That Hezbollah is taking steps, that Lebanon is combusting, and that these things coming together are making 2021 look at a year that I'm not going to look back as it's that transition and changing point but I wonder towards what in the deterioration of these different aspects. Let, let me add to what I just said a moment ago regarding January 20th. There was, of course, another moment two weeks earlier, January the 6th. Absolutely. Um, the fact that the American democracy came under siege and that uh, we still hear and feel the uh, reverberations um, because... One of the contenders uh, did not concede. Even as we are speaking now, uh, more than a year after the election, uh, former President Trump 
uh, and his followers, uh, millions of his followers, believed that the election was rigged, that his victory was stolen. Um, American society is uh, more split than it ever was, uh, not only along racial lines, because of course this is another problem, and because we all look to the United States as the bastion of the world, as the leader of the uh, free world, uh, it is disheartening that um, such trends still apply to um, America. Indeed, and it doesn't matter what camp you're in, the fact that American democracy is weaker, perceived as such by the international community, obviously this impacts the entire Western uh, and, hemisphere. And, and therefore cannot really preach to other countries regarding uh, their systems of government. Indeed. Let's narrow down our discussion and start with Israel. Uh, we're sitting here in Jerusalem. We had a transition of power after 12 consecutive years where we had uh, Israeli or former Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu uh, lose the election within the construct of a parliamentary government uh, with uh, Naftali Bennett together with Foreign Minister Yair Lapid, managing to establish a odd sorts of, of composition, uh, which has brought about uh, what seems to be more stable of a government than initially expected. How do you see this government currently contending, not necessarily with internal political challenges at hand, but on a regional and a global scale? Well, um, if an astronaut or cosmonaut uh, would uh, to come back from the International Space Station, uh, having spent um, a few months there, and um, let's uh, imagine disconnected from whatever happened uh, on Earth, he wouldn't see much change. There is a lot of continuity in Israeli foreign policy and uh, national security doctrine vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the relationship uh, with the United States, with Eastern Mediterranean countries, which we can expand on, with Persian Gulf, uh, sheikh domes and oil domes and, and what have you. So yes, on the personal and political level, it's a major shift from Netanyahu to anyone else. But if you look at the output, at the product, not much change. So the chief of staff or the former chief of staff of Netanyahu is similar in, in his ideological input. Colonel Ben Shalom, how do you take this past year and what rating would you give this uh, new government following somewhat of a year that has uh, faced quite some challenges for this country? It's interesting because I think it can be presented in both ways, opposite ways. On the one hand, you know, there were those waiting for Netanyahu to leave the stage feeling that now everything is going to be different and everything that the, the opposition preached for many years, now they will implement. And we see that many of the politi political games they still do, right? Personal nominations and f f uh, uh, dedicated funding. And, you know. uh, but on the other hand, there, it is a very significant point, and I think it was a positive thing. Uh, this transition from the Tandial government, I think we were on a non-healthy course, okay? Um, but still, we have the same uh, uh, rift in Israeli politics. Remember that the half that didn't want this government and still dream of Netanyahu coming back, they didn't change their views. They're not sitting back and saying, you know what? Yeah, Bennett's doing a good job. That's, it's, it's not going to happen. As far as the challenges in the Middle East and the way we're addressing them, you see that even as we speak, uh, Bennett's uh, flying around the Middle East and continuing what was done before. This just proves that in democracies, it's not such a big deal who the leader is. 
we're used to looking at other countries or totalitarian regimes where the leader himself, he can take the whole thing in a totally different direction. Even with Trump here in Israel, every word he said, every, right, every decision he made, Israelis were relating to it as some historic momentous event. You know, a president comes, a president goes, and also here in Israel, we're a democracy. Bennett, soon Bennett's going to be uh, out. Why? Because it's a democracy. Someone else is going to come along. So I don't see it as that dramatic. Our strategic challenges, our, our, our threats are still there. The Israeli concepts have been forged for decades. So it's not like all those issues have totally changed. With that being said, personal relationships on a global scale, on a diplomatic scale, are uh, a contributing factor. Ambassador Pinkas, I'd like to hear from you. How do you see the Israeli government uh, deal with the various transitions, not only of its own, but around the world? It also had to, of course, uh, contend with the the old forged relationships with Putin and, and other uh, world leaders who had uh, quite the the vocal um, friendship with the previous leader. So, do you see this as a positive trend at this stage, or uh, would you say that they're still contending with some challenging uh, challenges on the world well, stage? Look, uh, look, there have been two major changes in the international arena that this government. Uh, um, as opposed to the previous government has to deal with. That is that Biden is the president and not Trump, and that Angela Merkel is no longer the chancellor of, of Germany. Everything else more or less stayed stable. Um, that being established, uh, you know, there are permanent interests, and, the, and then there are government policies. Don't forget, adding to what Uven said, uh, this to begin with was defined as an interregnum government. It had a It had a mission, it had a... Uh, purpose and that was to get rid of Mr. Netanyahu. I'm not. I'm not casting judgment on good, bad, evil, or or uh, um, good. Uh, and it did so, and and that translates in the world. You know those satellite photos of the world uh, that look at electricity and light. You know how how lit New York and Toronto and London and Paris and 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 Rome are as opposed to North Korea or uh, Rwanda. Okay. Imagine a satellite picture of noise, of, of emanating. Israel is much quieter than it was a year ago. Um, and this has to do, and, and you, will, you will see the same thing coming out of America. The public discourse has subsided. And in that respect, I think the government does represent a dramatic change. In terms of policy, where you want me to judge? You want all of us to judge them on the, on the basis of six months? That's that's not serious. We we no one can do this. Do I think that in the next six months we will see some some bold um, diplomatic initiative? No, there's none to be uh, um, had. Um, so I I just you know it, it's it's a government that it that was set for a pur- for a purpose and it until now is fulfilling that very purpose. Quite admirably, I have to say. Colonel Eisen? Isn't it interesting how we look at that policy and we look at both the continuity and at the change? Isn't it because it has to be either or? Why can't it be both? There was a dramatic change and it brought continuity. I adore that aspect of the noise. I feel that aspect of the noise. I feel it both on this side of the Atlantic and on the other side of the Atlantic. But the fact that the noise has gone down the polarity, that extremism is still totally there. That has not changed. Most people stay very entrenched in where they were before. When it comes to Israel within our own arena, we are hearing now heightening voices again 
about Iran. When it comes to security, there's much more continuity. But I actually look at the domestic front because in the domestic front, we had the two biggest, what are to me, extremely big changes. We have an Arab-Israeli political party in the government. The Muslim Brotherhood. No It's less. a Muslim Brotherhood. And you look at that and go, what does that mean? And it means something. And, and I say it again with, with my heart going out, the ultra-Orthodox parties are not in government. These are major changes for Israeli society, for the domestic society, for that aspect of government, for people who are in that sense, perhaps in the United States, okay? I always am overawed by how the Republicans win, all the Democrats leave. The Democrats win, all the Republicans leave. We don't have that same because we have a multi-party system, but in this case, A segment of Israeli society came for the first time into government. And a different segment of Israeli society, not for the first time, but for a very long time, left the Israeli government. These are significant issues. Yeah, no, last, last year, 2020, uh, we all applauded the normalization of relations with the UAE, with Bahrain, with Sudan, with Morocco, uh, to one extent or the other. But the important achievement of this year is what Miri referred to, the normalization within us. The fact that there is a government after two years of continuous elections, there is a budget. Um, these are uh, things which uh, in every other country would have been so normal, so as uh, nothing to uh, write home about. But uh, for Israel, after 2018 onward, this is quite a change. With that being said, and Ambassador Pinkas also alluded to that, with regard to the Palestinian question, There is no horizon at this stage, and there is no political capital for this government to actually move anything forward. Where are we standing with that also with the eyes directed southward towards the Gaza Strip and elsewhere? The uh, government, of course, uh, extends uh, from the uh, almost extreme left to the almost extreme right. Not, not really. It, it is not in the margins. But nevertheless, um, it's bipolar. Or tripolar, if the um, if the middle is also a pole. However, this only means that the government will never come out with an initiative. It cannot agree on. Uh, there is no consensus. But should an outside force initiate something? You know, um, Secretary Blinken only a few days ago, referring to Russia and the Ukraine, said, um, "You cannot change a country's borders." by force. Someone will tell him, okay, what about the Middle East? What about Israel? Of course, there is um, a retort to that. Let's renew the peace process. So right now, yes, you don't see the horizon. But should the clouds disappear, you will see quite an horizon. Well, you could say that about pretty much every country around the world throughout history. But Colonel uh, Ben Shalom, how do you regard currently the, the Israeli perception with regard to the Palestinian issue. Is there any aspects that have occurred throughout the past year that you would identify as something that we should take note of? Not many people know that we have a great collaboration with the Palestinian Authority. Like on the ground, there's good security cooperation. If there wasn't that, we wouldn't have the relative peace that we see uh, or stability, okay? Uh, we do see a rise in recent weeks uh, of uh, sporadic terror attacks, uh, like in other places in the world when this happens, it triggers uh, copycats and things like that. It's hard to say that this is a strategic trend or, or something uh, directed by the Palestinians, but uh, this is just a reminder for us that this issue will never go away. 
the Israeli policy, I, th I think, because it's not written anywhere, has always been that we will push, uh, kick the can down the road, and if we wait long enough, there'll be facts on the ground, and one day they will be disillusioned from their dream of uh, self-declaration or statehood. It's not going to happen. Why? Because the Palestinians are not uh, less than us resolve, resolve and, and dedicated to their strategic goals. We waited 2,000 years. They can't. So, uh, but on the other hand, everybody understands that this government in its construct now with all our complexities, they can't do anything dramatic and they won't initiate anything dramatic. Now, the problem with the Palestinian issue, it has always has been miscalculation or misperception. It could be triggered at any moment. There's no way of knowing where this is going to go. Of course, that would be mainly tragic for our Palestinian neighbors because together, of course, we have to aspire to peace and stability. Nothing planned right now. The only things that could happen are miscalculations, and that's negative. Indeed. With uh, speaking about the Abraham Accords, of course, earlier, uh, I'd like to hear your take on this, Ambassador Pincus. The Abraham Accords were made possible because the United Arab Emirates came with this approach saying, look, it happened with Jordan, it happened with Egypt, it happened with even Turkey at a certain aspect. We're able to deal with the Palestinian track on one hand and with the Israeli track on the other. How do you see this actually um, enable Israel to a certain degree with regard to additional countries within the circle of peace? Or are we seeing currently a certain stagnation, if you will, because of Israel's uh, uh, challenges, not only on, on a local arena, but also on a global arena. All right. The, the Abraham Accords, which we all endorse, embrace, and like, were first and foremost an arms deal. In exchange for peace with Israel, F the UAE receives F-35s. Right. Okay. And then, and then comes the rest. Obviously, naturally, the big prize is Saudi Arabia. I cannot fathom any breakthrough with Saudi Arabia without, not a breakthrough with the Palestinians, but even a promise of a breakthrough with the Palestinians. That just won't happen. Now, it could happen if America exerts some kind of diplomatic leverage and pressure. The U.S. will not do that because of things we said before, because it's about China, because it's about Taiwan, because now they... They're consumed uh, uh, beyond their expectations with Ukraine. Uh, they don't care. And Saudi Arabia is not the most popular country in the U.S. these days. Um, so, so the Abraham Accords are stagnant, but that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. We have a good relationship with the UAE. We have a burgeoning relationship with Bahrain, Oman, and Qatar. It's not bad. Indeed. Uh we're drawing near to the end of the program, and I would like to touch on the Iranian question as well. So if uh, you will, Colonel Eisen, you may also refer to the Palestinian question if you would like to add something shortly. But let's look at the Iranian question following the transition there in Tehran, uh, moving to a more radical regime if the previous one wasn't radical enough, with Ibrahim Raisi, of course, looking at the, the scope of pivoting Iran eastward, a lot more significantly so, seeking to align itself strongly with China within the context of strategic power competition and, of course, Russia. How do you see this challenge Israel also on a proxy warfare scale? Iran is a local regional power. It's trying to connect to outer powers. Obviously, United States is against. So where they go? To China, to Russia. But China and Russia have their own interests, both here within Israel and the additional players, not just with Iran. I actually want to tie it all together with the Jerusalem studio that we're sitting in. I want us to look at Jerusalem. 
Because I think that in 2021, this year that we've just ended, the Iranian, the Hezbollah, the Shiites, the Jihadis, the Hamas, so many different aspects actually focused on the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem al-Quds. And if we talk about that potential trigger, that it's right here in the middle, that inadvertently Israeli security approach, both to the Palestinians and to the East Jerusalemites here in Jerusalem, that ignites an al-Quds, al-Aqsa, Jerusalem response which is not always connected just to the Iranian nuclear and all those other problems. So I look at 2021 as one that brings together the polarization, brings together polarization, that was a great contradiction, but it polarizes the sides and that the trigger is actually Jerusalem al-Quds, the different perspectives of how this city and the holy sites within it are Which is why we had guardian of the walls. Uh, only last May. Even though they are Sunni Muslims, you're speaking about Hamas, and the fact of the matter is, ironically yes, speaking, no, no. Regarding, the Shiites don't care about Jerusalem. Regarding Jerusalem as the fulcrum, as, mm. as the trigger of uh, what could happen, because uh, several Arab and Muslim countries, including moderate ones, such as Jordan, and semi-moderate ones, such as Saudi Arabia and Morocco, lay claim to guardianship or stewardship of their holy places in Jerusalem. This is uh, quite a problem uh, also because even uh, President Trump, when he moved his embassy to Jerusalem, made sure, following Putin, that he's referring really only to West Jerusalem. He was rectifying a problem uh, going back to the early 1940s and early 50s when Israel moved its embassy to Jerusalem. He did not refer to East Jerusalem. And obviously, when Israel annexed East Jerusalem, it also broadened the confines of what it called the city, the metropolitan area, to parts of the West Bank, which were under the Jordanian rule outside of Jerusalem. So yes, uh, many, many hands are right now in the till in Jerusalem. It will be the most complex part of any future deal. Colonel Ben Shalom, one sentence from you. I want to shift gears. 2021, I can't leave it without talking about privatization of space exploration, biotech, the fact that we hijacked or we can hack our own genes and edit them, and other issues, important issues that you like, Miri, like natural disasters, cyclones, tornadoes. We have so many challenges and interesting things beyond these geostrategic things. Ambassador Pinkas, last sentence. Um, I, you know... um, the, the binational state. Uh, we are very nearing the mm. point where a Palestinian state will not, just not be feasible even to Palestinian eyes, and that would lead almost inevitably to a demand uh, for uh, uh, one state and voting rights and living, you know, as, as goes the saying, denial is not just a river in Egypt. Well, we'll have to uh, deepen ourselves into this topic in the future as our time has come to an end. I'd like to thank Ambassador Pinkas, Colonel Eisen, Colonel Ben Shalom, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's program. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.